You've attended council hearings in person. You've tuned in to our televised proceedings on Channel 13. Now, you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council with your host, Josh Gibson. Thank you, deep voice person with a funky backbeat. Indeed, this is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. I'm Josh Gibson, Director of Communications for the Council. You may also know me as our voice on social media. Um, And uh, welcome back to our faithful viewers and to uh, one of our uh, most frequent visitors, uh, Councilmember Alyssa Silverman. Uh, Welcome back, Councilmember Silverman. Great to be here, Josh, as always. Definitely. We, we early on, we were doing a series of uh, fun, wacky uh, shows, um, you know, music, pizza and other things. And I guess the times have just gotten serious and we've uh, gone in a more policy oriented direction, which uh, I like both kinds of shows. So, uh, but I, I look forward to the days when we can return to our more whimsical uh, topic selections. Uh, I do too, uh, Josh, and we can always weave in some DC music and uh, thoughts on pizza and other um, delicious but inexpensive foods into our conversation today. It's true. We can we can weave in the whimsy, which which might be uh, my my future podcast title. Weave in the whimsy. I just like the way that sounds. Um, but the opposite of whimsy, uh, our topic today is, uh, census redistricting, um, which is, uh, critically important and, uh, very, very detail oriented. Um, talk a little bit about, um, how, how you came to be in this role and what, uh, this job <laughs> is in Oh, wow. Um, well, I'm not sure I can tell. I'm not sure I have all the facts about how I came into this role. Let me say that uh, Chairman Mendelssohn, uh, as part of his chairman duties, organizes the council, decides who chairs what committees and who chairs what subcommittees. So I'll just leave it at Chairman Mendelssohn uh, decided that I uh, would fill the subcommittee chair role. Um, now, here's a, a question that I have and that I- Oh, I'm laughing, Josh. We'll throw a little whimsy in here. So generally, uh, redistricting is something that is, you have to do by law, let me say. But usually when you make changes um, that are put upon people and that people don't ask for, there's unhappiness. So I will just say the reason I'm laughing is because it could be speculated that a thought going into choosing who might want to be subcommittee chair, who I want might want to fill that chair is who would I want to have anger directed at them? (laughs) But, um, you know, that's all to say that uh, I understand 
that, um, you know, people don't like when they're told to change. And that is what we have to do in redistricting. Um, by law, and uh, this has come up many times, so let me be specific, it's not just district local law, it is federal law. It's actually based on the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, the Equal Protection Clause. Um, some people might know it as one person, one vote. Uh, that by law, we have to make sure that our legislative districts, what we call wards and advisory neighborhood commissions and single member districts are equally proportioned so that everyone has about an equal voice in elected government. That's probably more than you wanted to hear, Josh. Um, but no. I will say that whoever gets the subcommittee chair role, uh, let me just say it colloquially, is probably gonna get yelled at uh, a little bit. And um, let me say that I tried to take it. I, I came in, you know how much I, oh, here we go, Josh. Everyone knows how much I adore the show Ted Lasso. Uh, so I kind of came in with a Ted Lasso approach, which is to say, I know that whoever I tell in this city that they might need to, uh, at the end of this process, uh, have their ward change might be unhappy. And I went into the process saying, I understand that. I'm empathetic to that. I know that might be the case. And so I tried to work backwards and say, okay, you know, if I was in that position, what would I want the subcommittee chair to do? Well, I would want to make sure first that I knew why this process was happening. I would want to make sure that I had a voice in this process and that I knew I was being heard and listened to and taken seriously. And I would want to know that the, that the subcommittee and the chair of that subcommittee considered all options that were viable. And so in what I would call my Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental approach, um, I approached our process of redistricting in that way. Well, it's funny, the analogy I was thinking of was in, in terms of how you approach committee work is more method acting. You know, there are some actors who come into uh, an acting job and they're just like, oh, I'm supposed to play this character. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll just make it happen and it'll be credible and it'll be great. But then there are people that really become the role. So, you know, when you got the labor committee, um, you went through the, the unemployment staff worker training and you worked the phone lines you fully and entirely threw yourself in so that you could understand both what the workers were going through and what callers were going through and i feel like uh, to the extent that's possible you did the same thing with the census that the the depth of um immersion and uh the number of hearings uh one per ward plus three others um that amount of work uh the historical study that was done the map analysis allowing people analysis uh, to um 
make their own census maps and then to build your own planned maps on maps that were submitted by the public, um, sort of letting the, the whole city play SimCity with the future. I mean, of course, eventually some decisions had to be made, but to let it be a public driven process. That's the analogy that comes to mind with how you do your committee work is it's full immersion and full full on experiential. Uh, how can I put myself in their shoes? I will take that analogy and I'll add in here. Are, here's how I'll spread some fun anecdotes in. So actually, one of the things that I did during the pandemic is I actually took an acting class. Um, I took an acting class at Theater Lab. Um, and it was really um, fun, number one. Uh, I, I think only the teacher knew that I was a council member because there are people from all over the region. Um, but uh, I, I take your comment uh, as both accurate and as a compliment because that is how I try to approach uh, my council work. Um. So is there, if we know you're acting um, during any council meetings, are there any tells? Are there any ways that we'll know that you're bringing your new acting experience to bear or? Uh... Well, um, I took a comedy acting class. Okay. Uh, and, it, <laughs> and it was excellent. I have to say, if anyone is thinking about doing it, do it. Um, this class was online because this was actually last spring, I believe. Um, so spring of 2020. Um, but there are certain things that I got out of the class um, that uh, I use every day. Uh, for example, so you referenced our um, discussion map. So one of the ways that uh, I, and let me give full credit to my other two committee members. So I was um, given the dis distinct and honorable role of chair by Chairman Mendelssohn. Uh, he also appointed two other at-large members, colleagues to the subcommittee, and that's council member Bonds, Anita Bonds, and council member Christina Henderson. So we were the merry group of three. Um, and, and um, one of the things we did to reinvent the process, as you said, was now we have technology that we never had before um, to allow uh, residents to be part of the process, to have truly an inclusive process. And one of the things uh, that we did in the subcommittee's approach this time was have um, residents submit their own maps. And let me thank the Office of Planning for collaborating with us on that. So there was a mapping tool, mapping website, in which you could experiment and play with the population in various wards and actually submit maps for consideration to the subcommittee. We received over 200 maps from district residents. And in fact, we released three, uh, one from a resident of Ward 5, one from a resident of Ward 6, who's an ANC commissioner, and one from a resident of Ward 7 as what we call discussion maps. And the reason we chose those three maps is because they met the legal requirements as well as made what we consider some of the key decisions. Um, but to get back to my acting class, I like threes. And I, and I learned in acting class that there is a comedy rule of three in which you sort of say things three times. 
And I don't know if that validated my rule three, um, but I often uh, on the dais will mention three things or I, I will repeat something three times. Uh, so I, I do actually use the rule of three at the council. We were at least three maps. We had three subcommittee members. I had no, I had no um, agency on that. But. Um, now let's um, let's talk briefly about the the unique uh, type of individual who is a census nerd, who you have gotten oh. to meet and know through this process. People who have the census circle 10 years in advance and they know every census track and they are just blissful with the, the, the thought of redrawing the boundaries. Um, and you got to meet a lot of people in this category uh, virtually or- Yes, I did. Let, let's talk about these folks. Oh. I'm leaving it open. <laughs> let's talk about them. <laughs> well, what, are your, you know, what are your thoughts on them? Well, they're criti they were critical to the process. I mean, that's, you know, I'm sure there are a number of people who are interested in the census in any state. Uh, I will say because we're in the District of Columbia, where there are a lot of federal agencies like the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the census, uh, we might have, I'd say, a higher population per capita, perhaps, of uh, data scientists uh, and folks who are interested in, in data visualization and those types of things. Uh, so it's a great asset, honestly. And, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to make sure is that we had a diverse set of voices. We had residents from all over the city who participated. We actually had a lot of commissioners from, you know, east of the river, uh, ANC commissioners in Ward 7 and 8 participate in the process. Um, so what I, I guess what I want to emphasize, Josh, is I certainly appreciated those who really were census and data experts. But I wanted to emphasize that you didn't need to be a data expert to participate in the process. Um, and we did our best. Could we have done more? Certainly. Um, but I think given the conditions and that we were in a pandemic and still largely in a virtual environment. Um, we tried to take advantage of the tools that we had to make this process, you know, understandable, transparent, and accessible um, to as many district residents as possible. Yeah, and very much a bottom up and not top down. Yeah, we could have drawn, and in fact, we did. The subcommittee had drawn three maps, and uh, I made the decision that the map should come from uh, our residents because I felt like we wanted, we truly wanted to, this to be an inclusive, transparent, open process. Uh, and if we asked people to submit maps to us, then if we could use them, I wanted to use them. Uh, and I, I will I will say, Josh, um, there are certain things that make the district's process a little different. Uh, in, in any other state, um, because they are a state, um, congressional representation is at stake. Uh, and usually it's a very divisive partisan issue, redistricting, because one party 
is in charge of drawing the maps. And to, you know, we see this, for example, in the state of Maryland, you have the Demo Democrats draw, well, Governor Hogan had a citizen commission and then the Democratic legislature said, we don't like the citizen commission maps. And then Governor Hogan said, well, I'm going to veto your map and just a big mess. We don't have those kind of partisan issues with redrawing in which you know power uh, among parties is at stake and that there might be ripple effects in Congress uh, or in the state house. I mean, what our redistricting process is more about, um, you know, there's a little bit of power within the council, but it's more, I would say, about neighborhood identities. Uh, it's about parking privileges because parking is tied to what ward you live in. Um, and I will say it's about race. And, and I meant to mention earlier when you were talking about the principle about one person, one vote, um, the notable exception to that is, of course, the Senate. I mean, it's the only place I can think of offhand where it is not just legal, but built into the system that you have some people that have, uh, you know, uh, where Wyoming, you know, five or 600,000 people get two senators. Then you have California where 30 million get two senators. And then you have DC where 700,000 get zero um, senators. And that's, was considered a feature and not a bug uh, when the country was started. But I think increasingly we're uh, coming to frown on that. Right. Um, um, yeah, so this has to do with house uh, apportionment. Right, right. Um, for most for right, the so they can decide how we get our zero votes. Um, in the case of the House. Um, uh, the question I had, detailed question was, do you, who chaired the two prior uh, subcommittees on redistricting? Uh, I believe in 2011, Michael Brown chaired it and council, and, and then at-large council member Mendelssohn and Jack Evans were the other two subcommittee members. And then in 2001, I believe, at-large council member Mendelssohn chaired it. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure about who the, his subcommittee, fellow subcommittee members were in 2001. Can't remember that. Gotcha, because I thought that Chairman Mendelssohn had previously had the job. And that is sort of a, um, you can see that two different ways. I mean, you can see you know what it takes um, to do it well and picking someone who you think has what it takes. Um, or you also see someone, know someone who saw the perils and the downsides and the you can't wins and the people are still blaming you years later for cutting off the other block that they thought belonged to their neighborhood. So I think it's kind of, I don't know if, that, if that's ever happened before where a chair has picked a subcommittee chair who had previously done the job he was assigning to the subcommittee chair. It's just an interesting dynamic. Sometimes the law is silent in places, Josh, and I'm just going to pretend that I'm where the law is silent right now. <laughs> yeah. Although it is, I, I had not realized this, although when I read about it, it made sense that only at-large members, is it only at-large members can serve on the subcommittee or is it only at-large members can chair the subcommittee? So I think it's 
uh, I'm not sure that's outlined in the statute. I will say the preference is for at-large members because you're talking about redrawing ward boundaries. Um, so there might be a conflict of interest in having a ward member be a member of the subcommittee. So the idea is that at-larges who are elected citywide do, are not elected in a certain legislative district do the redrawing um, and the ward members um, you know, only vote on it. They're not, they're not actually decision makers from the subcommittee. Um, but I do believe Council Member Evans was a member of the subcommittee in 2011. And he oh, that's you, did, you did mention that. Um, well, moving forward, because it's the gift that just keeps on giving, um, you know, we'll have this, I guess, the second vote on the ward maps uh, at next Tuesday's meeting. Um, but then we will go into, uh, and, and we're obviously, the, we're not involved as involved in this part, but the talk about the uh, the drawing of the ANC and the SMD lines. Sure. So redistricting is a two-part process. And as I said, the one person, one vote is not, not just applies to the um, council seats, uh, but it also applies to our elected advisory neighborhood commissioners. So once uh, we finish the word redrawing, which is going to happen on Tuesday the 21st, we're going to take a second vote as well as move emergency legislation that will put these lines into almost immediate effect. Um, depends on whether the mayor signs, what the mayor does. Um, but it is a piece of emergency legislation that we needed to do because we have to get the ward boundaries in shape for the June 22 primary. Um, we also need to have the war boundaries in place to be able to redraw the ANC boundaries. Because of course, as you know, and let me just give a few highlights for those who haven't been paying attention. I can't believe what you all are up to, not paying attention to redistricting. Um, but there were some big, big boundary shifts. So the biggest shifts were in Ward 6, 7, 8, and 2. Uh, so the highlights from redistricting is that um, because of the equal representation requirements, Ward 6 had too many people living in its current boundary. Ward 7 and 8 had too few people living in the current boundary. Um, and then there are effects uh, from contiguous uh, because we like to draw the wards compact and contiguous. Um, so Ward 2 is also impacted. So the big headlines are that Ward 8 moved across the river uh, to into the Navy Yard area, most of what's considered the Navy Yard neighborhood. Uh, Ward 7 moved further uh, west across the river uh, into the areas known as Hill East. And, and currently, this is one of the places where the subcommittee differed a little bit than uh, Chairman Mendelson and the folks who informed his decision making. Um, we initially had uh, sort of the northern communities that border Benning Road as part of Ward 6. So I'm talking about Rosedale and Kingman Park, which is currently part of Ward 7. 
And the chairman actually reversed that decision, put those communities in Ward 7, both, uh, I guess, both the subcommittee and the, and the chairman made those decisions based on um, equity, uh, different ways of looking at equity, I'll say. Um, the other big thing is um, that a, uh, a lot of the Western part of Ward 6, so we're talking about the Shaw, Mount Vernon Square area, they said, um, you know, we know we're likely to be shifted to another ward. We'd like to be all in one ward. And they, a lot of residents there expressed a preference if they needed to be in a boundary change area to go to Ward 2. So Shaw and Mount Vernon Square now are in Ward 2. I say that as a setup for the ANC redrawing, because obviously those areas that shifted boundaries, now those ANCs will be part of the new ward, of their new ward. So Shaw, Mount Vernon Square will now be part of a Ward 2 ANC, uh, and there will be, we think likely, self-standing, standalone ANCs in um, Ward 8 and Ward 7 in those Western parts of um, those wards. That's probably more than you wanted to hear, Josh, but let me give the details on the ANC uh, redrawing. So that is overseen by the subcommittee, but is largely executed by the uh, ward members. So each ward member appoints what they, uh, what is called a ANC redrawing task force. And so if you're interested in this, get in touch with your ward member pronto, ASAP, immediately, because those decisions are being made right now. And what those task forces do is look at the new ward boundaries uh, and the population uh, and, and draw the ANC and single member districts. Uh, in law, the single member districts need to be 2,000 people plus or minus 5%. There's a little bit of a cushion. So I think that's like 1,900 to 2,100 people. Um, and that process will start soon, very soon, uh, and hopefully wrap up in April when those recommendations then come back to the subcommittee. Um, and I can say from uh, historical experience that I was an ANC commissioner many, many moons ago, uh, back in elected in 2000. Um, and the, uh, the ward, um, ward uh, boundary redrawing group, um, there were two or three of us that they didn't agree with and they uh, drew boundaries that um, would have required us to leave our ANC seats. But by a combination mm, of- well. uh, fighting back and physically moving, uh, we were all able to keep our, our ANC seats. So if you, if you think the, if you think the politics uh, of redistricting stops at the ANC or even the SMD boundaries, uh, sadly, sadly, it does not. But all the more importance, like you said, to get involved uh, early and often in that process. Um, how do you, in a process like redistricting, how do you balance there are such disparate calls. I mean, there are calls, like you said, for compact boundaries. There are calls for neighborhood integrity. There's calls to not over-concentrate racially. There's calls not to disperse uh, the vote of any uh, racial group. Um, how, I, I mean, I guess it's true in all legislation, you're balancing 
countervailing uh, um, criteria, but it seems particularly tough in this situation. How did you, uh, how'd you do it? What, what was your tool for balancing those competing concerns? Well, first we looked at uh, what are the, um, what is the law? And what is what I always call the North Star of redistricting, and that is the equal representation uh, requirement. This is the one person, one vote. Uh, within that, so that uh, comes from the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, but there's also uh, the 15th Amendment is at play and the um, Equal Rights Act is at play and that any rebalancing of the population we do cannot dilute uh, the voting strength of minority citizens according to federal law and district law. So the reality of what that means is that when we were looking at uh, wards seven and eight, which are predominantly black uh, wards, we wanted, we wanted to make sure that whatever redrawing we did did not dilute the voting strength of black voters in those wards. Um, so that took some voting analysis. We did, there were, so what we did is we looked at various scenarios and then especially in making sure that we would not be in violation of the Voting Rights Act, we did look at voter registration um, data and did an analysis and whether we felt like that might uh, dilute the voting strength of black residents. I will say that was an issue with uh, one ANC, I believe it was ANC 6A had submitted a map to us, um, which uh, ANC 6A is on the Eastern side of the greater Capitol Hill area, the neighborhood that I named Rosedale um, as well as I think what people call Hill East. And they wanted to stay in Ward 6. And what they had proposed was instead of their neighborhoods uh, shifting to Ward 7, they wanted to, to put both Navy Yard and Southwest in Ward 8. And given the demographics of those two areas, um, I did feel that uh, the, the subcommittee felt that that could uh, run into problems with the Voting Rights Act. So for that reason, we felt that their map um, was not a viable option. Um, but that, so I will say the two biggest criteria are the, you know, one person, one vote and the Equal Rights uh, and, and the uh, the Voting Rights Act, uh, making sure that we're not diluting the uh, voting strength of minority residents. Um, then there are other principles of redistricting that we did try to adhere to. They're not hard and fast rules, but um, they are best practices. And that is drawing maps uh, that are compact and contiguous. So that means that you don't have these crazy barbell looking uh, wards, but you have very compact wards. I think, you know, ward one, for example, would be my um, model probably of very compact. Um, and I know you were an ANC commissioner in ward one, um, Josh. Uh, other criteria are um, keeping census tracts intact, um, 
Another big criteria, which we did discuss a lot when it came to Ward 6, was the concept of keeping communities of interest together. So this is a hard to define term. In the district, in the past, it's generally not splitting uh, identifiable neighborhoods apart. And I will say that was um, a big discussion point in Ward 6, um, because when some people think of Ward 6, they think of Southwest and they think of uh, Kingman Park, or actually Kingman Park's in Ward 7. Uh, it, but the point I'm trying to get at is a lot of people just think of it as Capitol Hill, as one, mm -hmm. as Capitol Hill is this big, uh, um, you know, wide ranging area. Um, and the argument that some of the residents of Ward 6 who uh, currently with the first committee vote are now in the boundary of Ward 7 we're making is that, well, it, you know, we're a community of interest with Capitol Hill. So you should keep us with the more Western part of Capitol Hill. Um, so that was, a, you know, I, I will say a concept that we had a lot of debate about. Um, but what I did was put uh, what I consider the um, principles of redistricting together uh, and explained sort of that this was the process and these were the criteria we were going to use to evaluate uh, the maps. Um, I have one more uh, census question, then we're going to go to a quick round of fun questions, then we're all done. Okay, um, great. And the, the answer to this could be not going to be my problem or I have no clue. Census 2030. What are the big questions going to be in 2030 when we're probably catching up from a pretty substantial undercount of DC's population? I don't know how it'll populational shift meet, uh, between wards, but does anything leap to mind that your successor in 2030 will have the challenges they'll have to face? Mm. Well, I think let me approach that question in a different way, which is like, what are the lessons learned from 2020 census that can inform uh, 2030. I mean, what number one, what we saw is when the city invests in certain areas, it, it's like um, field of dreams, people will come, right? So where did we make significant investments? Well, we made it in the wharf, we made them in Noma, uh, we made it in the Navy Yard area. And guess what? That's where we saw significant population growth. We made fewer investments in, you know, areas in Ward 7 and 8, in Congress Heights, in Anacostia, in, um, you know, in Hillcrest, in Penn Branch. And so guess what? We saw slower growth there. So I think one of the things we want to think about as policymakers is if we want to have even growth throughout the city, if we want to have more equity, then we have to make public investments in areas that have had the slower growth. And that's where, you know, it is a difficult topic to talk about, uh, Josh, but we have to talk about it in our city. Race is a factor. I don't think it's accidental that the two uh, predominantly black wards in our city had the slowest growth, you know, and we need to really think about that in terms of making investments and in using our public dollars to achieve 
the goals that we say we want to achieve, which is racial equity in this city. So I, I perhaps took a roundabout approach to answering your question, but I say in 2030, if we see more equitable growth and more even growth, it's because we made investments in an equitable way. That, that actually makes a ton of sense. That was the kind of reflection I was trying to trigger with a sort of off, off the wall question. Um, we are uh, well, also say I hope I don't have to chair the subcommittee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have enough gray hair probably to last 10 more years. So, I mean, Josh, when I first came on the council, I had like no gray hair. Look at this. Uh, correlation does not imply causality, but maybe sometimes. Um, so for our exit round, we've played this game once before. Um, I'm going to name uh, a number of tasks, and I want you to name which of your colleagues you would pick to take that task on uh, with you. Um, first one is walk in the woods. Which council member would you uh, enjoy a, a nice walk in the woods with? You know what? Can we do former council members? Because I know Tommy Wells knows a lot about sure. these. Seriously, yeah, I actually have maybe not a walk in the woods, but um, I've done a few bicycle rides with him because uh, we're both bike riders. And he'll just point out tree species like on the on the of course, I grew up in the city. So this is a, a weak, a weakness of my knowledge. But uh, I think he would be a good person to walk in the woods with. But he is DOE director. So that's kind of a cheat. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, the next one is um, Secret Santa, or apparently Mystery Maccabee is the uh, is the Jewish version of Secret Santa. I've I have not played that game. Um, but anyway, yeah, if you have, I, a I have never heard of that. But I, as everyone, as many people know, I am Jewish, but I didn't grow up in a very observant household, so I'm me, yeah, me, never me. heard of that. Who would but be a good? Who, who, would be, who would be a good person who you would want to buy a present for? Oh. Whose name, if you picked the slip and you had to buy a present for, who would that be fun for? Oh, wow. Nothing leaps out to mind. Um, I'm sure then, it'd be fun to buy it for everyone. Then we'll skip it. And who, who would you like to buy you a present? Who do you think would do a good job of gift purchasing? Well... So I think we've dwelled a lot on Chairman Mendelssohn, but he does give the same gift every year, which is at Christmas, which is the chocolate covered cherries, which I'm sure you're familiar with. So I would not choose Chairman Mendelssohn because I'm not a big cherry fan. Um, those, are, those are tasty cherries though. If you're team cherry, I'm not a cherry fan. Lot worse. I'm not a cherry fan, but if you like cherries, then it's definitely him. Um, I, again, I'm a little flummoxed here, Josh. I was good on the last last time it, we did this. It's all good. We'll we'll do three more and feel free to pass. Um, play okay. Poker. Who would you like to play poker with? Because it would be enjoyable to play poker with them. And the flip one, which you can be thinking about simultaneously, is who would you be worried playing poker with? Because uh, bluff ability. I do play. I used to play poker a lot. Um, yeah, I bet Christina Henderson would be a fun poker player. Um, 
Now, who would I be concerned about? Mm, Mary Che. <laughs> okay, that's that that says it all. Um, the very last mostly I chose women because it's easy to choose men in poker, so I want to choose all women. But I'm sure we'd have fun, even if, and I'm sh I'm sure we'd have fun. Absolutely. The last one is getting out of an escape room. If you went to one of those escape oh. room things where you have to solve clues and solve a mystery to get out in time, who would you uh, want to take in there with you? You know who would probably take that? I bet Charles Allen would take that seriously. I, I will, I'm laughing because I actually did do an escape room with some friends. I think it was a friend's 40th birthday and it was a Tuesday night after a council meeting. And uh, I got, I was last to get there. And when I got there, they put me in a separate, uh, they trapped me in a separate room. And I was, I will say a little drained from the council meeting. So I was just thrilled to be in a room, a quiet room with nobody else. <laughs> you just curled <laughs> so up in the corner. That, 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 it was like out of Shit's Creek, you know? So there was like that guy, the guy with the fake British voice. And he kept saying, you must, you know, do the puzzle. And, you know, I was just like, I just want to sit here and relax. <laughs> and then all my friends were kind of screaming at me, like, come on, Alyssa. Anyway, so um, I pretty much had the same experience as Johnny Rose at uh, in uh, Schitt's Creek, but one of my favorite shows. Yeah, yeah. Got in, does have a got in Schitt's Creek, Ted Lasso, and poker. That's pretty good today. Yeah, we did sort of the impossible. We we brought some method acting and method acting and method acting. And then I took an acting class from theater lab. It's true. We 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 accomplished yeah, our. We have some whimsy in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's harder than just going redistricting. It's not that horrible. <laughs> right. Well, we've we've flown way past our time limit. Um, but thank you so much again, Councilmember, for being generous with your time, um, and for uh, delving as deeply into this topic as you have. Um, I think we're we're well served by it. Uh, listeners. Uh, thank you, Josh. Let me just uh, add in to thank all the residents who participated in redistricting. Thank you guys very much. It really was a participatory process. And um, I just want to thank district residents for um, their interest and participation. Absolutely. They, they proved they were up to the challenge. Um, and I'd like to thank our listeners who are also up to a challenge, uh, apparently, um, and remind any new listeners that you should subscribe to our podcast wherever you get our podcasts. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. We're on DC Radio at 96.3 on your FM HD4 dial or dcradio.gov. Uh, again, thank you. I'm Josh Gibson. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. Take care, council member. Have a good day. Thank you. Happy holidays, Josh. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.